What's up, guys? Uh, host Robert Bentoul in here. I'm joined by Nathan Wasserman and Alex Silverman. We're going to talk about the NL Wild Card, the All Star Game, uh, some craziness towards uh, start certain starting pitchers. Going to talk a little bit about the NBA and what's going on. And uh, here with me both is Alex and Nathan. What's up, guys? Hey, how you doing? What's, what's up, man? Yeah. Um, let's get right into it, guys. Let's talk about. Uh, the all-star break just happened. Some teams made some noise, uh, potentially going up the wild card and that. But let's start off with the all-star game. Um, a lot of uh, pushback towards the NL all-starters. I mean, on the AL side, we had Shane McClanahan from the Tampa Bay Rays. No one was really, uh, um, you know, arguing that one because he was so good the first half, uh, the favorite to win the AL Cy Young. On the NL side, uh, Sandy Alcantara literally pitched the most innings in the first half had the best DRA in baseball uh, in, in the NL, and they decided to uh, start Clayton Kershaw. Um, Nathan, I'll let you explain first. Why do you think that was an issue, and do you think Kershaw deserved the nod? But what do you think the main reason was why he started? I think we all know, but. You know, we know it's because the game was in Dodger Stadium. And look, I mean, Sandy obviously deserved it. It's hard to say. I, I'm pissed off because I'm a Marlins fan. But Kershaw had never started an all-star game before. Similar, I mean, he's clearly been the best pitcher in the NL like five separate times, and he's never started. I know there was one time when Matt Harvey started when the game was in New York, um, and when it should have been Kershaw. So, like, it's not fair to Sandy, but it's usually not fair. Um, I just hope that Sandy's career is such that he'll get the chance to start, and he'll be that guy every year, and then we won't have to talk about this. And if this is his only season and they really blew it, and that really sucks – but it is kind of stupid for Kershaw to never start an all-star game. And this was the time to do it. There's always going to be a guy that's having an amazing season. Sandy's maybe having an even better season than most pitchers usually have, which is why everyone's such an uproar about it. But to, I, I understand the decision. I don't like it, especially because Sandy's having like the, he has the most warm baseball right now. So it's one thing if the guy's having a good season, there's no clear pick, you go with Kershaw. But in a season where Sandy's pitching just absolutely so much better than everyone else, he seems like a clear choice. It's tough. At least he, he came in in the second inning, struck out two guys, retired all three batters he faced. I mean, that's what we wanted to see from him. So at least we got to see that. Yeah. Uh, well said, Nathan. Alex, what about you? Uh, what was your take on the, the starting lineups? Was there anything that uh, caught your surprise on who started maybe? So a couple things. You know, I'm a bit of a sentimentalist when it comes to the all-star game, only because the game no longer has any implications. If it's If it's a – if it's a true all-star game, you know, determines home field advantage, anything such as that, maybe then you do a little bit more strategy, you, you know, you go with it. Go with the better pitcher in Sandy who's going to give you longevity and elite pitching. Kershaw in his own right, I think he's posted about a 2-1 ERA this yeah. year on very limited innings. I mean, that's his MO now and his advance. 12 advantage. games started. Exactly. But it's not like he doesn't have a case for on a – one inning basis providing one of the best options out of the NL rotation. But, you know, splitting hairs, like Nate said, Sandy gets a long enough career. He'll have his, he'll have his shot. Good for Kershaw. The, the more interesting, I'll call it interesting without, uh, you know, getting riled up factor here is the fact that William Contreras is the, NLDH starter while Juan Soto rides the bench. <laughs> and I'm going to go ahead and do a very quick look at William Contreras and his very amazing statistics. He's 
got a very strong 142 WRC plus, which is the highest he's posted at any level ever in the minors in the majors ever. Probably not the guy you want starting at NLDH, but you know, I'm more more in an upward sort of not getting the start, but that's just for me. Okay, yeah, very well. Look, I mean, we can all agree that Soto's arguably a top five asset in baseball, one of the best players in the world. Uh, just won the home run derby, so um, yeah, I definitely believe this is all. You know, it's ironic that this is a stats uh, game, but and then uh, Sandy doesn't start this game. Uh, speaking on Sandy Alcantara for a second, look, all bias aside. Sandy literally pitched the most innings uh, this season so far. He has literally pitched 13 consecutive starts to seven innings or more. Um, look, Miami's a small market team. Lots of Marlins fans don't really have much to root for. Uh, this is usually the all-star game is usually whoever has the best performance, not accolades. Kershaw's a really good pitcher. I'm not going to debate that. Um, I guess the only thing really from Marlins fans is, look, we want to see him start. It's pretty cool to represent your uh, your team on the All-Star game. Starting pitchers, one of the hardest knots to get because, you know, there's only one. Um, so other than that, I mean, it is what it is. Sandy is obviously in this season the best pitcher in baseball. Uh, arguably going to win, you know, arguably is going to potentially win the Cy Young. We'll see what the second half has to go. But um, anything else you guys want to talk about with the All-Star game? It's currently 2 nothing as we're watching this game. I mean, you are right, by the way, with the whole factor of – I think part of the reason for the uproar is it's a Dodger versus a Marlin. The Marlin was more deserving. That literally never happened. It's like our only chance to have the best player. <laughs> mm-hmm. Never happened before. We're like, please give us this one thing. And like, no, the Dodgers will have this one too. And that I think that's really a large part of why we're so pissed off. Yeah, and then also but, yeah. another stinger was uh, when Jazz Chisholm couldn't play. And you know what? You right. want him healthy for the regular season. The All-Star game is what it is. He's still – he'll be there multiple times next year or so and the years be after that. But other than that, um, I think everyone else got it right. I mean, the only, I guess, other one that I kind of didn't like was Nolan Arenado not getting it. But then I saw Manny Machado's stats. Uh, he's even the favorite to maybe even win the NL MVP. So, really, other than that, there was nothing really crazy. Um, right. Alex, before we go on, is there anything that stuck out to you still? No, uh, just a, a very quick aside. Funny that after the uproar that was the Manny Machado and Bryce Harper sweepstakes, with the two constantly being uh, labeled as overrated, it sh- it would be quite the irony to see the two of them win back to back MVPs with their new respective teams on their bloated contracts. Yeah, uh, that's Good for point. sure. Yeah. All right. So let's get to the big news in baseball. Uh, Juan Soto reportedly turned down 440 million over 15 years. Uh, that's a unbelievable number. That's uh, the richest AAV in the history of baseball ever offered. Straight up turned it down. Um, there's going to be a lot of issues going on in Washington. Uh, Trey Turner, former national, texted uh, Juan Soto and said, What the hell is going up in there? And uh, he didn't get a response. Uh, then he told him during the game that, you know, it's craziness right now look Juan Soto is being very professional um with the Nationals they asked him yesterday do you think he'll get traded he goes look I want to be here but if they trade me they trade me um just won the home run derby yesterday look this is probably the biggest player to ever be on the trade block in a long long time uh this dude is only 22 years old already has a world series uh to his his resume um this guy's really unbelievable uh I think we all can agree he's a top five player maybe even the best uh arguably I but uh, Alex, what's your take on Juan Soto? And you think he's going to get traded? And what's just your reaction to the whole thing? 
Well, it's a little bit – it's not necessarily surprising. Washington, as an organization, did what my Phillies love doing, which is selling out to win. And they did that in spades, won their 2019 title, right, 2019? Yeah. Um, won their 2019 title and saw their stars depart. Uh, they couldn't have paid all of them. There's no way to do it. But the issue is their farm system is absolutely bereft of talent. There is no one there. It is absolutely gone. The, the one guy is a strong pitcher, but even then, pitching prospects are uh, dubious or dubious prospects to begin with. So they, they are absolutely barren, both in the majors and the minors. So when your only asset is potentially going to cost you a league-altering deal and you really don't have much to support him over the next four, let's say three to four years, that's if they can turn things around. You got to do something. And this is a time when there are a lot of teams that have some serious prospect capital. Yankees, Yankees and Padres in particular, yeah, just have some serious firepower at the major and minor league level that they do not need at the moment. And they can really completely alter the trajectory of this Nationals team. I agree. I agree. They can get a halt. For example, um, Padres have C.J. Abrams, a very young rising shortstop. Um, but I'll let you talk about the prospects, but uh, get to get back to your point. Yeah, so when you have an organization that's so barren like that, I mean, to give them some credit, Kieber Ruiz that came back from the Trey Turner deal is fantastic, but a catcher does not make a team. Yeah. You, you got to take the opportunity to do that. Now, alternatively, you could say, you know, you'll never have another Juan Soto, which is true. But what good is Juan Soto when you could fall to the same fate as the Angels? Yeah, I was just about to say, you know, the Angels never have another Mike Trout. What's that? <laughs> they have the two top five players in baseball suck every year. R.I.P. R.I.P. <laughs> but that's that's the thinking. And, you know, if, I, if it was my position – I'd probably deal him. I don't think there's really any reason to subject a homegrown player like that who is just absolutely infectious with his, with his play and his smile to a decade of losing during what is likely to be a Hall of Fame career. But that's just me. Yeah. Uh, well said. Look, you're totally right. Look, the Nationals did everything they could to retain Juan Soto. But honestly, I don't think it's as bad as people make it seem to be because they're going to get such a haul back that I think they'll be better off just getting a bunch of good players than having one superstar because, quite frankly, you're going to have to spend a ton of money to put things around him, and the Nationals just don't have that kind of money and they're not that kind of team. That's why I didn't re-sign um, the third baseman, Rendon. Uh, they let a lot of guys walk in the past years. Um, as you said, they did pretty well in the Trey Turner trade of Max Scherzer last year. They got K. Reese, but as you said earlier, catcher does not make your team. So they have an opportunity to be pretty good. Um, if they hit their, on their trades. But um, before we talk about potential teams where he could go to, uh, Nathan, what's your reaction to the Juan Soto news? You know, I just want to know, what's the deal with all these uh, NL East home run derby winners getting traded? I mean, first you had Stanton, <laughs> then you got uh, Bryce Harper, and, but not traded, but whatever. And then you have uh, Soto. I mean, that's three guys. Pete Alonso might be next. Not another thing. I mean, the NL East wins the Homer Derby every year, apparently. The yeah. only other time they didn't with Aaron Judge, which they at least close enough. Mm-hmm. So uh, those West Coast teams better start uh, getting some power bats because they're letting us hog all the Homer Derby winners. 
Um, <laughs> by the way, Harper stayed in the NL East and Stanton stayed in the East Eastern Division. So, um, aside, aside from that, though, I do I do think the Nationals honestly should be trading Soto. I think he lost a little bit of leverage when uh, teams found out that he wouldn't sign their contract extension. Um, I think they should have just quietly started listening to offers, and because honestly, with their position, they they honestly shouldn't be keeping Soto. They should be trading him, but they should quietly start listening to offers and declining offers, and then eventually make teams want him, but realize that he's available for the right price. Is instead of kind of losing a little bit of leverage by making people realize like, no, Soto doesn't want to stay here. He won't stay for four hundred forty million. Well, now now you just lowered the ask by a lot. Yeah, the teams are still going to bid against each other. But before teams are going to have to bid against the prospect of thinking maybe the Nationals will keep him. So I think the Nationals should have stayed quiet, let teams come to them with offers, let teams realize the situation. Um, so I think they kind of played this incorrectly. But but we'll still get plenty of a haul, and we'll see what happens. But yeah, they, 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 they've missed out on some negotiating tactics. Yeah. Um, all right. So reports are that uh, the Nationals want four ML or – Four of the top prospects in any team's system when they start talking about trades. They want a couple MLB-ready guys, and they also want to uh, put in Patrick Gorman for a team to take on that contract because it's a pretty bad contract. So that's what it's going to take today. A couple of reporters reported that. Um, Jeff Passan specifically, for one. Um, all right, so let's talk about potential teams and where he could go. Um Alex, what do you think uh, – well, who are some realistic teams that could seriously get this guy prospect-wise? So I'm actually looking up a, a couple contract figures for Corbin in particular because that money isn't going to be very easy to take on for any team, let alone the, uh, the flush Yankees. But um, the big teams I can think of are the Yankees and the Padres. The Yankees have for a long time been a prospect factory – um, they have a top-end shortstop in their system that I don't think they're going to deal, but even Anthony Volpe, who I think would is probably the heir apparent at the, at the Keystone. Yeah, no way they trade him. But what they could do is, and this is, this is why I think the Padres are the far under, but this is the Yankees' perspective as well. They already have a log jam on the infield with LeMahieu signed long-term and, um, and Glaber still on the Keystone. They could potentially move – Glaber bringing up Volpe if his performance has been commensurate with his prospect status and then attach, you know, the rest of the top of their, of their farm system, which I think would be a pretty enticing offer. But the real team that has the, the prospect capital, both at the major league and minor league level, I think is the Padres in that yep. they have so much starting pitching depth. Now that Clevenger and, uh, and Darvish are back pitching healthy that they could move a guy like Mackenzie Gore in addition to a player like C.J. Abrams, as you mentioned, who is actually a bit of excess with Hassan Kim still manning the, in, the infield, along with a really young but tantalizingly high upside guy in Robert Hassel. And that alone, plus a couple low-A guys, might be enough to get the, get the job done. You can add two major league pieces, and a top 10 prospect in, in his own right in Robert Hassel to the organization, I think that gets it done for Juan. Yeah. So. I think and, the real – well, go ahead. Uh, I, I was just saying, I don't think I – I don't see teams having enough flexibility at the major league level to surpass an offer like that from the Padres. The Yankees might be the only one who can really do it, and I don't think it makes logical sense for them with 
Gallo still in the fold. Yeah. The thing for the Yankees is I think they have, as you said, just as good a shot to get him. The issue is, will they include Volpe? Probably not. So then that means, will they include Jason Dominguez? He's one of the highest prospects regarded around the farm system. Um, I don't think they'll do that either. I think uh, they, they like their rookie contracts. Look, they have to pay Aaron Judge soon. Um, that's going to be a ton of money. I think simply because they have Aaron Judge and his contract, uh, I think they're going to be out of the sweepstakes for Juan Soto, personally. Um, just to, to have two guys potentially making over $500 million. So they'll have a billion dollars between two players. I think that's just unrealistic. So um, that's what I think for the Yankees. One team that I really like that I see reports of, that could potentially go in. I don't know anything about their prospects. I have to take a look at it later. Is the St. Louis Cardinals. Do you know anything about their farm system and uh, what they could potentially offer? Yeah. Uh, given the paucity of depth they have at the major league level, um, aside from a couple, you know, first base DH types in Juan Yepes, uh, Nolan Gorman, it's going to take them essentially moving their entire farm system. They have one guy in particular that's really the, the headliner of their system in Jordan Walker. He, I liken him to Cabrian Hayes. He's an extremely athletic, huge exit velo, third baseman with a little bit of a ground ball tendency that if he's able to lift the ball could become Nolan Arenado on steroids. I mean, like <laughs> really crazy player, but one, I don't know if they want to move that player at all Two, like I've said with the other two teams, a top prospect is only one small part of the equation. So I don't think they have what it takes to get it done unless they absolutely bankrupt their farm system. And their team as it currently stands is not good enough right now to get it done. Not to mention the fact that their team is really in need of pitching. They really need pitching. So they I have a that, great, yeah, I agree. They have a great bullpen, but their starter pitching has been suspect. Yeah. So I think that's really their, I think that's going to be their point of emphasis or, or uh, their deadline focus for lack of a better term. And the emphasis relies on the, the, for, the former mentioned two teams. Yeah. Uh, well said. Um, Nathan, uh, let me ask you a question. Look, I think, uh, well, this is for both of you guys, but I think the Miami Marlins have a great farm system. They could easily get into this deal. The issue is they won't be able to pay them. And uh, I don't care what anyone says. They won't offer them $500 million. They, they, they obviously, well, they, what about Giancarlo Stan? We paid him. Well, we did. And then we traded him two seasons later. Um, that's just way too yeah. much money for small market teams. We structured that stand contact, so we actually never paid Stan anything. Yeah. Um, we paid him like six million a year. All the money was on the Yankees. That, 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 the plan was always to trade him. And this yeah. kind of brings me to my point with Giancarlo Stan. We can talk all the fits we want. There's only one way this ends. Juan Soto is going to be a Yankee. I mean, we've <laughs> seen this a hundred different times. Or Dodger. Ways. If you don't think he's going to be a Yankee, if you if you don't think Juan Soto's going to be a Yankee, you're kidding yourself. I mean, what's going to happen is the whole point is they don't want to pay Aaron Judge because he's going to be older. He's, for a guy coming in a contract age, he's a little bit older. He's been injury prone, and they're going to use Soto as their judge replacement to get even better. Um, that's what they're going to do, in my opinion. Um, so I think they'll let Judge walk, and instead they'll spend that money on Soto, and they'll get even better. And that's just what the Yankees are going to do. And whatever it takes to get him, I think they're going to give it up. Because, I mean, we've seen top prospects not pan out. I mean, I remember the Brewers gave up, like, the number two prospect in baseball. His name is Lewis Brinson for Christian for Christian Yelich. Oh, not God. Christian Yelich. Don't hurt I mean, me again. Give up guys like that. I mean, and these guys end up being horrible. So, I mean, you know, 
he's going to be a Yankee. And we're going to have to watch Juan Soto play for that team for a long time. And Glaber will not be part of that deal going to the Nationals because what, what kind of need do they have for Glaber? What they might do is they might flip Glaber for like a minor prospect somewhere and then include him in the deal. Yeah. Um, but and anyways, if they don't include um, their uh, uh, Mr. Volpe over there. But yeah. uh, anyways, that's what I think is going to happen. Um, the Marlins, yeah, the Marlins, there's just no chance. They're not going to engage. Yeah, I agree. There's no way they pay him. I mean, there's no point of that. I will, I will say from a, from a package standpoint, they can compete with almost any offer because they also have pretty good stuff. I mean, Yuri Perez, uh, Jake Eater. Uh, just to be headliners. I mean, they got some really good stuff there going down shockingly pitching wise. Now hitting wise is different. Um, I also wouldn't rule out the Dodgers. Look, they have a massive bank uh, paycheck. Um, they also have prospects. Um, Alex, I'm pretty sure the Dodgers have a, a lot of good prospects, right? I mean, it seems like they always are loaded with a farm system. Oh yeah. They, they're uh, I was actually just talking to a buddy about this the other day. The, the Dodgers somehow are able to get whoever the last guy in these drafts is that's still good because everybody knows like a third of the team in baseball can't draft. So <laughs> they get that last guy that's good and then turn him into an all-star. So they have a whole litany of guys who are amazing. It, 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 you know, it, it could be them just adding to a, to an embarrassment of riches, but they, they really do have a pretty high payroll right now, not just for now, but for the future and trade is about to walk. I don't know if they want to replace a guy who's such a strong defensive player in Trey Turner with someone who's a bit more of a defensive liability in Soto when outfielders are one of the easiest things to replace, at least in right field. Yeah, uh, that's well said, but I also think Gavin Lux is their future. Um, they're going to get it. They're, they're either going to re-sign Turner or they're going to sign a star or trade for Soto. Remember, they don't have to pay him right away. They still get him for two more years before they have to negotiate a contract. Um, so that could help teams out as well. Maybe it could just be an expensive rental for some teams. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, that's the Soto news, guys. I want to quickly talk about Aaron Judge and the crazy, bizarre situation going on there. The guys arguably have been the best player in baseball this season. He already has 33 home runs through the break, hitting almost uh, 300. Uh, what's your take on the whole Aaron Judge situation? Do you think they're going to resign him? Well, Nate, I'll let you take this one first. I think, I think you already hit on it. Before. Right, yeah. So, I, as I kind of commented, I don't think they will because I think they're going to get Juan Soto. Um, I think if they strike out on Soto, which I don't expect to happen, that's when they start considering it. Um, but on, if the Yankees want somebody, they have the money to do it. And the fact that he's not already – it's very, very strange for the Yankees just to not give the guy the money he wants. And there must be something they're saying, well, they don't want it. So we'll see, but I don't think Aaron Judge is going to be Yankee next year. Okay. And uh, Alex? So, you know, this is one of the most delicate situations I've seen in a while in terms of free agent and team. The fit is there and that they really need to keep that bat in the lineup. Stanton's only going to get worse as time goes on. <laughs> but LeMayhew's really much more of an average hitter. When I say average, I mean uh, Speaking. Oh, sorry, guys. I mean hitting for average, not really um, average in terms of quality. So, sorry. And uh, it's going to be very tough for them to retain him, though, when he's had such a checkered injury history. If you're going to pay a guy like that, and it seems like he really wants a lot of money, you have to project him at least being a league average hitter into his late 30s. And I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. I, it's, 
it's a dubious investment at that. And the Yankees have been known to invest, you know, short term when they have teams that are this good. I mean, they already paid Cole, but at the same time, yeah. And, but at the same time, you already have Stanton under contract. So Albatross contracts are okay for large market teams, but you can't stack them. Cause what happens when you stack them is you get the Washington nationals to bring it full circle. The reason why the nationals are so screwed is because they not only have no prospects, they have no financial flexibility. They're stuck with the Corbin contract. They're stuck with the Strasburg contract. They're stuck with deferrals from other contracts they had signed in the past, including Scherzer's Yeah, money is tied. So when you don't have money or prospects, you're a very, very unlucky team. Yeah. And I, I will say for the national standpoint, I don't think they really care that much because they won a world series a couple of years ago. So I think to them, it's worth it. I'm sure there's like a lot of teams that would kill for that. So um, I agree though, with the bad contracts, I mean, the Strasburg and Corbin contracts are up there as some of the worst contracts. I mean, I don't even remember the last time Steven Strasburg's pitched. So um, overall, I agree with that, but uh, back to Aaron judge. Ah, uh, so I, I, you know, I don't think the Yankees are going to resign him, but I don't see too many teams that have the availability or the, the desire to sign him. You know, oddly enough, one would be the Padres, but I don't know if you have that many teams that would be suitors for that kind of contract. And Scott Boris is the smartest agent around. He understands the market and understands what the market will develop as. So, you know, it's a bit of a chicken game, and I don't know whether Stan, uh, if Judge blinks or if the Yankees blink. And, you know, to Nate's point, it would be a fairly logical conclusion to just, you know, bring Soto into the fold, and then you now have an even better version of a cost-controlled judge for multiple years, but you have, you have to consider the opportunity cost of losing all of your elite cost-controlled assets, right? So it's a bit of a, of a quandary. I think in the end, they end up signing. They, he ends up resigning. I think they end up, you know, giving him the money that Boris wants and putting in some deferrals to make it a little softer on the Yankees, but that's just my thought. Yeah. Um, well said, man. Um, you know where Aaron Judge fits really well? Miami Marlins. <laughs> Except, uh, you know, we will never pay him. So, Everyone well, you, know, Marlins. you know, Aaron Judge is going to make less money than Soto. Um, if we were ever going to spend big on a guy, it would be him. Um, I think he's not going to have the same market that a lot of free agents have. And, you know, he's that kind of player. He's what we need. He can change the franchise around. Kim Ng is going to be fighting for her job after the season. Um, maybe she gets some approval from the owner to finally swing big. We'll see. Maybe, maybe I'm crazy. Um, but if Aaron Judge does walk this offseason and the Yankees aren't going to resign him, expect to at least hear the Marlins talk to uh, Scott Boras. Yeah. Uh, well, look. I think the trouble is Aaron Judge is 30 and you're probably going to have to give him you're, no, you're going to have to give him a 10 year deal. It's going to be kind of like the Apple approval situation. You're paying up front knowing that the right. back end's probably going to be terrible. Marlin, the Marlins try to get Albert Pujols. They want the guy that gets a little bit less money because they know he's going to be bad at the end, but they don't really care. I mean, yeah. The Marlins way has always been, I'll go all into in that one world series and then just blow it up. Look, so, uh, I, I won't yeah. rule out the Marlins simply because they have Sandy and such an unbelievable contract. Uh, he's still got a bunch of young pitching that they don't have to pay for a long time. Um, 
they'll, they'll arguably have the best rotation in one or two years um, if the guys develop the right way. Uh, so I do think if they want to make a swing for the fences for, for judge, they could probably pull it off because they won't really owe any money for any other player for a while, but, uh, we'll see. They're notoriously cheap and I know, but they, they owe nobody any money. I mean, you're right. They, they don't owe anybody a dollar. I mean, they owe nobody a dollar and he's going to be, sli- I know it's 10 years, but he's slightly discounted on these other, like relative to these other superstars. And they don't care if they suck for the last five years. They suck every year. Yeah, so yeah. they're great for the first five years. That's the only time they've ever been great. They they're gonna suck anyway. Yeah, so look, I I think it makes sense for us. I think Alex can attest to this as well. Look, you got Sandy Alcantara locked up for five years. You don't have to worry about him. They're probably gonna trade Pablo. Then you got Max Meyer. You got Yuri Perez. Edward Cabrera. Jake Eater's gonna come in pretty soon. Trevor Rogers hopefully gets back to form. Um, those are all starting pitchers. You don't have to pay for at least three or four years down the road. Josh Chisholm still locked up for another five years. So. This team can make one big splash if they really want to. They could probably get out of the Avicio Garcia contract, trade him, take maybe half his contract. But uh, Jorge Soler is probably going to opt out. So they really don't have money tied up to that many players. So they do have a chance to get him. We'll see if they spend the money. But uh, Kim Ang and Bruce Sherman is notoriously cheap, so we'll see what happens. But any last words on uh, Aaron Judge? Yeah, I, I, I will go so far as to say that I would bet good money that before Judge signs with the Marlins, the Marlins are able to secure Juan Soto. And that's including the, the uh, extreme unlikeliness of them trading Juan Soto in the division. I, I, I'll bet you, with the way the Marlins are constructed, that it's far more likely that they give up most of the farm to get Soto than they do give up most of the wallet to get Judge. That doesn't make sense for the Marlins, though. They need the whole farm to compete. Because if they just got Soto, they wouldn't compete. They need the farm and the guy. So, question. What is most of the Marlins' farm? Pitching. Like, (laughs) pitching, but they need the pitching. They already have an elite-level rotation at the major league level. And I will say sans Max Meyer. So, you could potentially move Max Meyer – along with this litany of other starting pitchers that you have, as well as MLB-ready replacement-level outfield bats to get a Juan Soto. And you'd still have the the depth to eventually build the team later on. Yeah, I mean, I think we'd at least have to trade two of Blade, and not that they want Blade even, but maybe Blade, Barry, and, um, and Khalil Watson. They'd probably want two of those guys and a pitcher. I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's it's it would be a lot, but I think if you're the Marlins, if I know the Marlins, and you know the Marlins a little better than me, but if I know the Marlins, they'd much rather do that than than give up, uh, you know, all that money they get from concessions. But but they're gonna give up all the concession money to Aaron, <laughs> I mean to Juan Soto anyway. They're not gonna trade their whole prospect for two years of Soto. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, well, I don't see it. Well, we'll see what happens. Um, all right, so. Those are really the two big names that are probably going to be on the move pretty pretty soon. Judge being at the end of the year and Soto probably being traded soon by the de- before we move on. You both think that Soto will be traded by the deadline? No, Alex. Yeah, this this seems this seems like an an irreparable. I say uh, yes as well. This seems like an irreparable relationship. Too much smoke when there's smoke, there's fire, especially in baseball. I, I think they want to trade him, but there's no rush. And this is the type of trade that takes a long time to hammer out. Teams have to convince themselves that they're really willing to give up this much. 
Um, and I think the Nationals wait until the offseason to trade him. All right, interesting. I think we can all agree that he'll be on the move pretty, uh, soon. So, um, all right, let's talk about the NL wild card. Um, the division basically in the NL East is, uh, I would say, Atlanta and the Mets. Mets um, have a two game lead. We'll see who comes out of the division. But I want to specifically talk about the wild card first. Alex's Philadelphia Phillies have the last slot. Um, Atlanta, San Diego, and Philadelphia are all in the wild card. Then you have uh, St. Louis, who um, is fraction points for uh, replacing Philadelphia. And then you have San Francisco, who's um, two games out. And then you got the Marlins, who are five and a half games out. They could have really done some damage if they would have won one or two games against Philadelphia. Um, let's talk about uh, the Phillies first. Alex, you're a Philadelphia guy. You're, you root for the Phillies. Um, you think Philadelphia has enough to uh, hold stand pat without Bryce Harper for a while and hold that last wild card spot? Well, I will say the teams behind them are pretty pretty heavily flawed. So in that in that regard, I would say they're they're definitely more qualified than the teams behind them. But at the same time, they're going to need to make an addition with. Harper's injury and Zach Eflin on the shelf for a long while with a nebulous knee injury that really no one knows what's going on. So there, I mean, I could go for days on this kind of, on this topic, but barring a deadline acquisition of a center fielder or potentially, you know, uh, a center fielder's teammate like Frankie Montes, it's going to be tough to see them going far or even securing the wild card with, you know, the giants doing, uh, devil magic behind them the Cardinals doing devil magic behind them and the Marlins you know beating them every three game series except the one that just happened yeah um, I will say this about the Phillies look if they had Harper I think they would make it I think the, them lose I think what he's out for the next month and a half they say he might yeah, try to come back number that's a uh, NL MVP it's a huge loss I mean you guys are doing pretty well so far I know you guys lost four in a row to the Nationals I believe it was um, that didn't help you a lot. Uh, Philadelphia, we'll see. They do need another pitcher. We'll see what happens with the trade deadline. But as of right now, I don't think they have enough to make it. Um, so that leads me to a team that I think could potentially make some noise and creep up. Look, St. Louis is really good, but as we talked about earlier, their starting pitching is pretty bad. They have a great bullpen, but you need leads in order to use that bullpen. We'll see if they make a move. I think they will. They're always buyers. Uh, San Francisco, they're just an awesome, solid team. Logan Webb, uh, decent bullpen. Um, they don't have a superstar hitter, but they have a bunch of good players. Um, and then you have the Miami Marlins. All bias aside, I know they're five and a half games out. Um, but honestly, their starting pitching is so freaking elite. I know their hitting is abysmal. If they can get one or two bats at the deadline, I wouldn't be surprised if they make a run. We'll see. I'm not saying they're going to get the wild card, but I think they can make it pretty close. Um, those are really the four teams that have a shot to make it. Uh, Colorado, they're rebuilding. Arizona, um, they've just fallen off. Pittsburgh, blah. Chicago, blah. Cincinnati's terrible. Washington's terrible. Um, so is there any other team from the NL that you think could make some noise? Or do you think those four teams are really the only teams that have a shot? Because I don't think Atlanta and San Diego are going to fall. Yeah, those are definitely the only four teams that have a shot. Um you know, the Marlins-Phillies series was a huge series this it past was. weekend. I think that's kind of the turning point in our season. Thank, really thankfully that the All-Star breaks right after that, because if not, that would have been the classic Marlins midsummer freefall. A little bit later than usual this year, but still the classic midsummer freefall. We're still in a summer month. Um, maybe the All-Star break holds us. We still have a ton of games left against the Phillies. 
Yep. But man, if, if we could have won that series two to one or even swept them, I mean, now all of a sudden we're speaking a different tone. We're talking about how the Marlins are favored to win that spot. Um, you know, it, it's not great. Max Meyer called up a dog sighting, you know, but, but right now in Miami, it's really an uphill battle. It's a lot of teams to catch for a lot of games. Um, I don't, I really don't think they can do it, but that, that, that was a really tough series and that was kind of one they should have had circled and yeah they scored one run in three games so i will that, i will say this tough. yeah their hitting is abysmal we know that um i do think kim yang is going to be a buyer i think there's pressure to uh make this a winner this season um because they've never been this close in a while i know they had that one year they made the postseason but i don't really count that short season they put they t- called up all their top prospects to make then we'll see but look I don't ever rule out teams with great starting pitching and Marlins have one of them. They have arguably the best pitcher in baseball. Pablo Lopez, I think might be on the move. They might trade him for a bat, but they have so much young elite pitching. I think they have a real shot to make some noise. I'm not saying they're going to get the final wild card spot, but I do think they can go on a run and potentially get close to it. Um, of these four teams, I'm probably going to say the St. Louis Cardinals. I think they're going to go out and get a, a pitcher. Um, look, they have Nolan Arenado. They have probably the hottest hitter in baseball and Paul Goldschmidt, who just launched a home run in the All-Star game today. Um, they have a pretty solid team. I think they have the best back end of the bullpen in baseball. Um, that would be my pick to get the third slot. But of those four teams, uh, Alex, which one do you think uh, will probably get the nod in the end? Uh, Death not the Marlins. I think the Giants' magic is over. Their starting depth is abysmal, and their lineup is essentially a bunch of platoons. Uh, so then it comes down to the Cardinals or the Phillies. Um, here, I'll give you a caveat. If the Phillies and the Cardinals both address their needs at the deadline, I think the Phillies will sneak in. If the Cardinals address their needs and the Phillies don't, then the Cardinals grab it. If neither does, I think the Phillies get in. So I think if the if the Phillies stand pat at the deadline and the Cardinals make the move that I also think they'll make because it's a weak pitcher's market. There's yeah. very, very many, uh, relative to other off-seasons, uh, strong starting pitchers available at the moment. I think the Phillies are going to beat out the Cardinals. Here's I, I, my – yeah. Um, I, can't see right. that, I can't see that young lineup producing enough, enough pop outside of Arenado and Goldschmidt to really make it happen. Tommy Edmond was a, was a flash in the pan. He's basically – He's like a poor man's Luis Arise. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Look, my, my thing with Philadelphia is they're, they're probably the streakiest team in baseball. This is a team that could literally lose seven in a row and win seven in a row. Um, for, for me, there's like no middle ground. They can't like, you know, win two games and then lose and then come back and win. T- they're always going on these streaks. Um, we'll see what they do. I think the issue for the Philadelphia Phillies is this consistency. The, their bullpen's been all over the place for the past couple of years. Uh, they held pretty well against Miami, but we'll see when they have a real test if they can do that. Um, I agree with you with the caveats. I just think St. Louis, they're always buyers. They always get somebody. Um, that's why I give them the nod, but I wouldn't be surprised if Philadelphia makes it. And who knows? Maybe the Giants can. I'm just saying the Marlins have great pitching that uh, they could climb up the standings. I just don't think they're going to get it. So um, you heard it here first. And Nathan, who's your pick to get the wild, the last wild card spot? As the rosters are right now, um... I'm taking the Phillies. Um, in preseason, I thought they were they really had a much better roster than people give them credit for. I think they've kind of had a good team for a lot of years now and just haven't really produced. So I thought this was the year that they kind of break that trend, and I think they have a, they're going to have a strong second half. All right. Um, well, that's on the NL side. Let's quickly go to the AL side. So 
we have the Yankees, the Astros, and the Twins all leading their divisions. Um, this is a very interesting wild card race. Uh, there's some teams on here that you wouldn't expect to uh, be making a run, which they are. Um, so we have Tampa, we have Seattle and Toronto all leading, you know, their respective categories in the ailed wild card. Um, okay, so Boston, Cleveland, Baltimore, and Chicago um, are within three and a half games or less for that final spot. All right, first we should talk about Baltimore. What they're doing there is pretty special. They just had the number one pick. They took uh, Matt Holiday's son with the first overall pick. He'll be playing in a couple of years. But Adley Rutschman, they have good pitching. Cedric Mullins is there. Um, I think we are all surprised about what Baltimore is doing this year, right, Alex? Yeah, I, I this hot stretch is very much an anomaly. I think if you ask, uh, I forget their their new uh, front office guy's name, but he's been exceptional at team building. But the, this this team right now is a year early. They're their starting pitching is a is a is a shadow of what it will be, not what it is. Same with their lineup. I mean, it, it's they've got a lineup of a wild card team and a starting pitching depth of a bottom dweller. It's <laughs> not no. It shouldn't be producing these results, but it is. So they're probably the one team that's in the thick of it right now that I will actually count out. Yeah. Um. I think something we have to talk about, this is pretty freaking amazing um, for people that don't really follow or pay attention to baseball that much in the standings wise. Uh, what the Seattle Mariners are doing is pretty incredible. They won 14 games in a row. At one point they were 10 out of the wild card and they just went on this skirt of wins. Um, I think, was... I'd, like to, I'd like to comment here. I believe our last podcast is around 14 days ago. And I told you the Mariners were absolutely going to get that last wild card spot. Um, you yeah. Can, you, you can run it, it back there. I, I, I sensed a strong run for the Mariners. I thought they have a great team. Robbie Ray is finally doing what Robbie Ray was supposed to be doing. Um, Julio Rodriguez is becoming an MVP candidate. Um, yeah, and he kind of had his coming out party last night to the countries at large. But, uh, you know, and as, as I kind of said before, the AL East is too strong to produce four playoff teams because they're going to beat each other up. So the rest of the, the, rest of the AL sucks. So you're going to have, the, I mean, it's probably going to be the winner of the AL Central, the Astros and the Mariners, and then you'll get the Yankees, Rays, and then whoever wins between the Blue Jays and the Red Sox. The Blue Jays and the Red Sox won't both be there. It'll be one of the two. I think it'll be probably the Red Sox, um, but that's kind of what I'm expecting. Okay. Um, yeah, what Seattle's doing is pretty incredible. Um, I want to talk about Tampa Bay for a second. They have the lowest payroll in baseball. It just seems like every single year they just win. They find a way to win. I don't know how they do it, but they do. They have obviously Randy Rosarena there. Wanda Franco just got hurt, but he was playing well. He's going to be out for a significant time. I think it was eight weeks. Uh, they have Lowe there, Brendan Lau. Um, obviously, they have an AL uh, starter and Shane McClanahan, who might be the Cy Young favorite in the AL, uh, who just started the All-Star game. Um Guys, you think Tampa has enough to uh, to hold off that spot? I mean, we're literally talking three and a half games difference between six teams here. Seven, sorry. You know, I they I, always do. <laughs> you know, I actually don't. I don't think they have it this year. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a quick perusing to their depth chart, but if if what I remember checking is correct, 
they have lost a huge portion of their starting pitching depth to injury. They already they had a guy come up who was actually a pretty big anomaly, uh, or at least in the positive sense of the word, not like the Orioles, in Jeffrey Springs, who was a big uh, command over stuff guy with an elite changeup. And he just got hurt. So add him to Shane Baz and Tyler Glass now at the top end of their, their rotation. So now they've got McClanahan, Kluber, Rasmussen, and if you can even count on him, Luis Patino coming back from injury, that's only four or five starting pitching slots. Not to mention Franco's out for probably most of the season now with a four, I think a six to eight week injury. They just lost their up and coming right fielder and Howard Ramirez to injury. He'll play, he'll be out probably four or six weeks with a broken thumb. So you're already- talking, talk. oh, hold on. I'm going to stop you right there. Up and coming outfielder Harold Ramirez. Come on, this is a Marlins, uh, large, largely Marlins <laughs> fan based podcast. You can't get Harold Ramirez. This is, this is this is real life baseball. He's a valuable real life player. He's not a valuable uh, fantasy player. No, he's he's doing. To be fair, he's doing pretty well this year. But but uh, they are playing victim to severe attrition. And if they were in the NL, this would not be the level of attrition necessary to knock them out of that spot. But there is nothing that's about the Blue Jays, Red Sox, or even White Sox or Rangers rosters to say they're going to let up anytime soon. Those four teams all should be nipping at the Rays' heels for that spot, while I, I do believe the Mariners continue to surge. So if I had to put my m- money on the line for the three teams, I'd pick – probably Mariners, Mariners, Jays, White Sox as the teams that end up or come out of the fray. But Dallas Keuchel can't pitch another inning for the White Sox or they lose everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, with Nathan, our earlier podcast, I talked about a team that could potentially make a run was the Angels. And I just – I can't get over how disappointing this team is every year. They they To have two of the top five ba- – honestly, you can even say two of the top three players in baseball and to be this bad – for the last couple of seasons is almost embarrassing. Um, I don't know what their story is, but this is the last we're going to see of Shoei Otani or Mike Trout together. One of them's going to be gone. Um, there's reports already that Shoei doesn't want to be there anymore and he wants to go to a big market. Um, he's also the next guy that's lined up for 500 million bucks. Let's talk about the Angels for one second. Why do you think they're so bad? I mean, they, I don't understand it. I really don't. Nate, you want to one first? If, if I had an answer, I would say it. Um, I mean, I guess baseball is a team sport, and the Angels have failed year after year to put a team around their guys. Um, all their money is kind of focused usually on a couple players. They don't develop well. Um, I can't even remember. I mean, other than Trout, who else has come up through their system? Nobody. They, they don't yeah. develop guys. Um, and they don't really – like, they're not, they're not really big, big players in the trade market ever. And they, they just don't put anyone around their team. So, I mean, sure, you get you get 16 war out of two guys. If the rest of your team is producing one war per player, that's no better. That's worse than a team that gets three war from everybody. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why. They, they, they got two guys. And if no one's on base, what good does it do if it hits you a double? Their issue the – yeah, I agree. Their issue has been free agent settings. They have been absolutely abysmal. I mean, Anthony Rendon has been basically a dud for them. They gave him $285 million. Uh, they signed Syndergaard. He's been okay. Um, they had a highly prospect Joe Joe Adele. I'm not sure how he's doing. I would have to ask. He's Alex been doing horrible. He's not been doing well. Okay, so not great, Bob. Um, I think their issue has been for the last 
10 years that are starting pitching. Um, ever since Jared Weaver left, I mean, they really, I couldn't even name you a starting pitcher they had. Um, that's one of their biggest issues, but I would say they're probably the biggest disappointment in baseball. It's kind of sad how talented this team is and they just never do anything. Yeah. I mean, I, I followed them for a while because they've had a, they've had a, a burgeoning farm system for a couple of years, or at least reportedly burgeoning. And there are really two big issues. They've been snake bitten in the free agent market, even as they've progressively gotten more aggressive to uh, put people around trout. And as Nate said, almost every prospect they've developed has floundered and that you can, you know, you can tie that to a Phillies, a Phillies problem, which is where you, you only bet on upside and tools and you don't really get any high floor players. I mean, Joe Adele, for those who don't know, is a um, tooled up, like wildly tooled up player, more so than even Lewis Brinson was when he was a number two prospect. He was a number one, the number one prospect at one point. Exactly. He's, he's got everything. He even had a decent hit tool, but something in their upper minors caused these guys to just fall apart. He whiffed at an unsustainable amount. And now he's back in the, in the minors again, uh, trying to figure out how to hit a baseball. I mean, you can't, doesn't matter how tool, tool up you are, you can't hit a baseball. Yeah. Then their pitching is just constantly falls apart. Their free agent signings in Syndergaard and um, they had Alex Cobb one year and he was terrible. And that's gotta be a, a organizational component because the giants turned him back into a star or at least into what a peripheral star. So between their prospects panning and their free agent signings, you know, either failing for one reason or another, with Rendon, it's just bad luck. You can't predict a guy's going to – he's been one of the most durable third basemen in all of baseball and then comes to the Angels and breaks. Yeah. Just, um, I think we can all agree the Angels have been a massive disappointment. All right. Uh, before we go, let's wrap it up here. All right. So who do you think of these six or seven teams, which three teams are going to make the wild card in AL? Tampa, Seattle, Toronto, Boston, Cleveland, Baltimore, and Chicago. White Sox. Alex, you can go ahead. Oh, I think the Rays are going to fall out. I think they're going to – they've sustained too many injuries. I think it's going to be Seattle, Toronto, and I'm really torn between the Red Sox and the White Sox. I think, you know, I mentioned it earlier, Dallas Keuchel being a living, breathing person in a White Sox uniform is going to be what – is there undoing? Yeah, he's lost oh. that magic. He 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 shouldn't be playing baseball anymore. But yeah, and I think it's the Boston Red Sox. I I, I would not be surprised at all if the Texas Rangers steal that third wild card spot. They they have talent. They have talent. Um, Keep an eye out for that. Let's see. If there's there's rumors. Uh, Skilling's going on. They might even call up their uh, number one pick from last year, uh, Lighter. I think it's a little too soon. We'll see if that happens. Um, for me, I actually think. Tampa's going to stay. I think they always find a way to win. They have a proven track record. I actually think Seattle's going to stay. Believe it or not, I think the pressure's going to get to them. Still a young team, mega talented. Can arguably say maybe the best talented team in baseball. But I think Toronto's going to choke. Um, I think Boston's going to get that third slot. Wow. Yeah. I just, I just think they fired their manager. Too much pressure going on there. Right now, as it stands, they only have a, a two-game lead. And all these teams are on winning streaks right now. So we'll see. I mean, the, the, the Jays have a winning streak as well, but their schedule is pretty tough uh, going the rest of the way through. Alex Manoa is there. I think they need another pitcher. Kevin Gosman's been okay for them. Uh, we'll see what they do. All right, here's, here's my hot take. 
right now, as the standings are, as far as the playoffs are concerned, in the AL and the NL, I think the standings will hold in all regards except the Braves will overtake the Mets. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Mets are choking. I think the Braves will overtake the Mets, and otherwise every other playoff team will be exactly where they are. Um, I'm not too certain on Brewers versus Cardinals for who's winning the NL Central. Other than that, I think every single other team will stand pat. So in the AL, that means that the Rays, the Blue Jays, and the Mariners will make the playoffs. I think injuries don't matter for the Rays. I think the Rays put robots in uniforms and have them perform. <laughs> um, at this point, it doesn't matter who's hurt. I don't care how many prospects on the line. When Harold Ramirez has a 140-plus OPS+, plus, I mean, come on. The guy's, the guy's not an MLB player um, for three years on the Marlins and, and the Guardians, and look at him now. So it doesn't matter who's playing for the Rays. I think that just proves the point. Um, whoever's out there is going to do well. They they, yeah. they give them something. So they'll be fine. I'm surprised. I, I do think Boston's going to make a run. I, I do think they're going to get a couple of players. I do think they're going to get get the wild card. I'm, this I'm, will change. This will change with with the trade deadline, and that that might change my mind. I'm yeah. going off current roster. We'll do a we'll do another podcast when that happens. All right, wait, guys, go wait, ahead. I've got, I've got one more thing. Sure. I noticed this when thinking about the Shohei opportunity. So Shohei has one more year left on his contract before he's a free agent, right? Yeah. They're going to trade him. All the signings on the Angels have been disastrous, and the only one who's truly locked in for multiple years is Rendon. And they have no prospects. Shohei's probably traded. They could conceivably trade Mike Trout. Yeah, they could redo their whole team and basically be competitive again by trading those two guys. I know one team that needs a center fielder. I know one team that needs a center fielder. I know plenty of teams that need a center fielder. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Um, before we go, guys, um, let's give uh, our MVP or our awards for um, baseball. So let's start with the NL. Who do you think is going to be the NL Rookie of the Year? Nate, you got this one. You know, I'm putting you on the spot here. You guys don't know. It's all right. No, no, it, it's okay. I mean, it's tough, but um, I mean, Spencer Strider has been very good, but yeah. O'Neill Cruz could have a great second half. Um, he's like the most. He's an, I love him. Guy. He's awesome. I mean, he's the most dynamic guy. Like I, I Spencer Strider is the default answer at this point through the season, but. Uh, I'm going to go with Daniel Cruz, mix things up here. All right. Um, I do like that pick a lot. Um, for me, he's just been pretty good. He's kind of hiding in San Diego, but I'm going to go Mackenzie Gore. Oh, I, I think, you know, longevity and, and, you know, the amount of time you've been playing or the amount of time you get in your rookie season is also a big factor. And I think Nolan Gorman, if he's able to pop yeah, a couple of homers, could really come away with that award. I, it's not a – it's not exactly a very impressive crop of uh, rookie of the year candidates. I think yeah. Strider's kind of uh, playing above his level, but uh, O'Neill Cruz could, could yeah. go supernova. Anytime. He, he could be a top five player in three or four years. He's, he's oh, un- yeah. unbelievable. All right. Um, let's go NL Cy Young. Nathan and I, you, you could probably guess our answer. So I'll speak for both of us. It's going to be Sandy Alcantara. What about you, Alex? I, it would, it would be absolutely it would be a complete travesty if if <laughs> Sandy didn't win the uh, NL Cy Young. I mean, I also 
thought it was okay to give Burns the Cy Young last year over Wheeler, even if Wheeler had like 30 more innings or whatever, just because Burns was, you know, he was Pedro Martinez for a year. But no one's even close to that right now. And Sandy already has, I think, 20 or 30 innings on the next closest guy at at the halfway point. There's just yeah. no way. There's no way you give it to anybody else. Yep. Uh, well said. With the one seven six ERA. All, and this is all bias aside, Sandy has arguably been the best pitcher, not in the NL, just in baseball in general. So, um, all right, let's talk about the NL MVP. I have two. For me, they're, they're, they're tied. Uh, for me, it's Manny Machado and Pete Alonso and Paul Goldschmidt. Sorry, those three. I can't really choose one, to be honest, right now. I have to see more of the season. So uh, those are my three candidates, and I really just can't pick between any of them. Nate? Yeah, you know, why? I mean, one year Kershaw won MVP. Um, right now, Sandy's killing everyone in war. I, not, I mean, he's not going to win it, so I won't say him. But I think he's going to end up leading the NL in war. As far as the MVP is concerned, um, right now, Goldschmidt is far ahead of everybody else. Um, do I expect him to continue playing this well? No. Um, do I think he'll hold everyone off? Probably, and especially if the uh, – not, not that the MVP voters typically consider playoff positioning, but uh, – especially if they end up winning the NL Central, I think Goldschmidt will win MVP. Yeah. And Alex? You know, it's got to be Goldie or Machado for me. They're just I, – I, I did a little peep at their war numbers. They're each already above four war at the halfway point. I mean, there are eight war paces. That's my – Hang on one sec. And be, before you guys go on, war means wins above replacement for anyone who doesn't understand that stat. Sorry about that. Yeah. No, it's all right. Good call. But – uh, the the real linchpin in I think Machado's case over uh, Goldschmidt, which of course personally I like to see, is the fact that Machado remains an above average defender. Goldschmidt is not only a first baseman, but is not that great in defense at the, at the hot corner. So even if both of them have a little bit of a lull on their on their elite level offensive production, Machado has the glove. I think it's going to be Machado. All right, um, those are our predictions for the NL. We'll quickly go through the AL, uh, the rookie of the year. I don't think it's even close. I'll speak for all of us. Julio Rodriguez, do we have any disagreement there? No, absolutely not. Um, I will give a shout out to Bobby Witt Jr. from Kansas City. He's putting together a nice season. Um, nice dash. Other, yeah, other than that, it's Julio Rodriguez. Uh, you can even make a compare. The way this team's playing right now, you should even be considered for maybe MVP. Um, let's talk about AL Cy Young. Um, for me, I'm probably going to go Shane McClanahan. I wouldn't be surprised if Justin Verlander wins it, but right now today, my pick is Shane. Uh, Nathan? Yeah, I think Shane's going to back off a little bit in the second half. Um, we just saw him I – mean, the All-Star game is the All-Star game. We saw him get crushed today. But I think the two guys we saw get crushed, Shane McClanahan and uh, Tony Gonzalez, are perfect candidates to have a little bit of second-half regression. Um so with that being said, I, I like Verlander. Um, Verlander is not going to fall off. We know who he is, um, and I think he's going to get uh, some of the legacy votes as well. So pretty, I, I like Verlander. Pretty insane how 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 good he is, even at this age. It's crazy. Yeah, you he know, was good when I was in elementary school. So it's it's elite fastballs just don't age. Yeah, fastballs stay elite. But uh, you know, you mentioned the three front runners. Well, the two front runners. I think. The one guy we're not mentioning here, I kind of included him already, was Otani. I mean, Otani's yeah. Otani's yeah. pitching to a low two ZRA, and of these three guys, I think it's Otani and McClanahan who are not primed to see as much regression, unless McClanahan gets a little bit of that sophomore slump. I think it's going to land in Otani or McClanahan's camp, especially as you know 
more flashy newcomers, whereas Verlander isn't exactly that uh, that flashy pitcher anymore. But I wouldn't be surprised with any of the three. All right. Um, and last prediction. Let's go with the American League MVP. Um, Nathan, how about you go first? Yeah, and so Otani is a favorite, obviously, because of his uh, dual position eligibility. But <laughs> it's I mean, cheating what, almost. When you consider Otani's last year compared to this year, which isn't a fair thing to do for the MVP, but it's what happens. When guys get worse from year to year, they typically don't win MVP the second year. It's just, I mean, part of it's voter fatigue. Part of it's, you know, it's like, why am I going to give this guy MVP? He didn't have as good of a season as he did last year. And even though he's having an incredible season, it almost feels like a minor disappointment. That being said, Aaron Judge is having an incredible year. He's a Yankee. The Yankees are the best team in baseball. If the Yankees have the, are the best team in baseball in the second half, I see Aaron Judge winning MVP. Uh, that was my pick as well. You know, someone that people often overlook, and it's, again, a tripartite race here, is Jordan Alvarez. Jordan Alvarez, I was going to mention him. Jordan Alvarez is batting better than Mike Trout has almost his entire career. He's batting better than Judge, and he's arguably an equivalent defender. His war numbers aren't as pretty because his defense numbers are a little bit meh, but MVP voters don't really care that much about defense. So if you're not going to give it to Otani with his dual capability, I think it's got to be Jordan or Judge. And, yeah, it'll probably be Yankees bias in the end, but, God, would I love Jordan to get it. Oh, that's uh, – before we go, uh, I got to say, Jordan got snubbed of DH, but Shohei is the biggest, bigger star. So that's one other little thing. But other than that um, – yeah. And I am glad you mentioned Jordan because he's having one of the most incredible seasons, both traditional statistics and when you look under the hood at some of his advanced stats, um, especially some of the like batted ball ratios and exit velocity, all that kind of stuff. He's having like one of the craziest years you ever yeah, seen. Yeah, guy's like, the best hitter in baseball. Ass. It's not even close. Right. That being said, he, he's hurt right now. Um, we'll see what happens when he comes back. two misses um but I, I wouldn't be surprised i mean if he does this in the second half again judge falls off a little bit there's some voter for, for shohei that's when Jordan comes in especially if the astros surge even higher yeah i don't think his injuries considered to be serious they'll be back soon but uh those are our mlb awards and uh the season starts thursday again and uh, we'll go from there we'll do another pot later in the year um guys thanks for coming on thanks for talking baseball of course, Love it, man. thanks for having us yeah, of course, sure. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate being here. All right, man.